You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Joe Ryan from Baby Bliss normally comes on the show to talk us through how to get our babies and children to sleep. But most recently, she's been helping a friend whose little girl has been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And now, I was chatting to Joe about this the other day, and I'd actually never heard of a very young child having this illness. And on this program, um, I like to try and talk about it so that we can get an understanding of what other parents are going through. And also, if you perhaps are going through this, you might be able to connect with Joe's story. Hi, Joe. How are you? Very well, thanks. So can you just explain, I always get confused with diabetes. There's obviously type 1 and type 2. What is type 1 diabetes? So type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune response. So it's an autoimmune disease that affects children and adults, but generally it happens sort of in teenage years, though Children can be diagnosed quite young, I think uh, as early as sort of 18 months, I've heard, maybe even wow. sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's nothing related to diet, which I think is the the common misconception. People think, oh, if they've been eating too much sugar or whatever. You've been giving them a lolly. Yeah. So often it, it's not re- – it, well, it's not related to that at all. It, it can often be triggered by sort of a virus or something, you know. Um, so just say – I was talking to my GP about it because her son was diagnosed in his early 20s and she said it's like a perfect storm of things happening together, you know. But still I don't think they really understand. So, you know, you might have a virus, you might be run down, and all of a sudden what happens is you're body sort of starts to attack itself um, and so it destroys the cells within the pancreas that produce insulin and then and insulin is what we need to keep our blood sugar levels regular um, and to manage our food you know so when we eat we we eat sugar or carbohydrate that's converted to sugar and insulin manages that and regulates it so we don't get too much high sugar levels or too low sugar. So your friend's daughter, how old is she? She was diagnosed at five and she just turned six not long after she was diagnosed, yeah. So how did those the symptoms manifest for her? Like what did your friend notice enough to take her to the doctor and find out what was happening? Yeah. So um, they, she, she sort of noticed that towards the end of the term, it was in the school holidays, towards the end of a term, she was quite lethargic and quite tired and was coming home from school and sort of falling asleep. Um, but she just thought that that was the end of term. She's a young, you know, child, yeah. kindergarten, you know, it all gets yeah. a bit overwhelming. Um, they went away on holiday and um, she f- said she felt like she was really trying to jolly her along all the time. And and then she noticed quite acutely that uh, she was really excessively thirsty. So she was drinking a lot and then going to the toilet a lot, so wanting to wee a lot. And and that sort of triggered a sort of, uh, she was sort of like, oh, this doesn't seem kind of normal. She um, rang some people, rang her doctor back here and he said, you know, I think before you pro- progress on your trip that you um, take her to the doctor. Uh, take to the local hospital sort of as soon as possible. Cause Whereabouts it's, were they? They were over in, um, well, they are actually in Alaska at this time. Holy so they, I know. Moly. So they were as far away from wherever <gasps> you friend. could be. I know. Oh, and they were about to sort of go on this kind of remote trip. So my friend's maternal instinct really kicked in. And thank God for that, that oh, she actually 
said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go and get her checked out. I really feel there's something going on. And all it requires is basically a dipstick in your urine where it will show up sugar and her sugar was very high. And then um, at that local little hospital in Alaska, they had to then medivac her out of there to America. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's all pretty dramatic. Um, dramatic. And she was, and they, by the time they get to that stage, they're quite unwell uh, because their blood sugar level is quite high. And obviously it takes um, a bit of a toll on their bodies. Yeah, because yeah, she's so small. So small, so yeah. small. Yeah. That sounds terrifying. Okay, so thank goodness. And what a what a great kind of message for parental instinct, mm, though, right? Yeah. Don't and ever I always, it. yeah, I always say that to mums about stuff, even just basic stuff with your little baby. You know, mm. like if I was, when I'm sort of there and they're not sleeping or something, I might say, "Do you think there's something going on?" You know, like, "Do you feel there's something else?" And they might say, "Yeah, I think they've got reflux, or I think they're really uncomfortable, or I think." I'm like, well, go and get that checked out because generally nine times out of ten, the mother's always right. <laughs> yeah. You're hearing that, everybody. Yeah. Nine yeah. times yeah. out of ten. Yeah. I Can we just say that's in every kind of facet? Yeah, that's right. Children. No, no. Nine We're times always out of right. ten. Yeah. I'm going to take that and play it to my husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I've got Joe Ryan in the studio from Baby Bliss. We do normally talk about sleep, mm. which we will get onto with this as well. But um, recently, Joe's uh, a good friend of hers, had an experience where her very little girl only five years old, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, Joe, you were just saying that you've heard of children as young as 18 months being diagnosed with that with type 1 diabetes. But was it, is it fairly unusual for a five-year-old or a young child? You're saying it's mainly teens and older? I think, I think what they say is that mostly it is diagnosed between 10 and 14 years is the peak age of diagnosis. Which but, makes me feel a bit more comfortable because they've got more language to say they're absolutely. not feeling well. And I think um, obviously, the younger the child, the more difficult it is. But according to my friend's diabetic nurse, um, five and six is a very difficult age because obviously they can express themselves, but they can't quite understand what's going on with their bodies. And, and they tell feeling. you they're sick all the time. <laughs> like I'm just like, what's my instinct, Darcy? You're telling me this morning you're sick and you don't want to go to school, mm, but mm. then you're eating your toast. Okay, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. But it is hard because they it can... It is hard, yes. But I think, you know, as mothers, you might know whether they're actually just sort of saying that because I don't want to go to school. Yes. <laughs> or whether there's genuinely something wrong. Like she says things like, I don't feel myself. Or I just feel really bad, you know, mm, and, yeah. you know, you can tell then. And her mum now kind of can work out when she's having a high or a low because her mood and her behaviour really changes. That's so interesting. Now, um, you actually went to help your friend who was overseas at the yes. time. What were the main challenges for her? I mean, actually, if I can take a step back, because if, if I got that diagnosis for my daughter, mm. I, sometimes the medical system, hospitals, whatever, sometimes they can be hard to navigate when you get a diagnosis of one kind or another. Sure. Was it clear to your friend from the start how to manage it with her daughter or was that also a bit of a challenging process? It's such a challenging process with something like diabetes because it is all-consuming and it affects every aspect of your lifestyle. So it's it's about the food that you eat, right? So how many times a day do you eat and, and then the exercise that you do. So it's all about regulating that. So it is – for them it was particularly um, – 
well, for any parent, I imagine, it's particularly overwhelming. They were very lucky that they were taken to Seattle Children's Hospital, which is the the American leader in diabetes, juvenile diabetes research. So they obviously had a very good setup there, and, and there was days and days and days of education for the parents and for the child um, about uh, managing it. So it, 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 it's like a cycle that happens every three hours for them now. So her blood sugar level needs to be checked every three hours, more regularly if they feel that there's something going on, if she's exercising. Uh, everything she eats needs to be um, worked out, how many carbohydrates she's eating. And then, then there's a formula that they use to then work out how much insulin she needs. My God, with a five-year-old yeah. who can be really picky about what they That's eat. That's right. So you have to, before you feed the child, you have to work out what they're going to eat. Oh and then God. you have to, and you have to assume that they're going to eat it all. So then if she doesn't eat it all, then you have to substitute because you've already given her insulin. You have to give the insulin prior to fe- eating. So then you have to uh, substitute something because otherwise her blood sugar will go too low because she's had insulin. She hasn't eaten the carbohydrates to kind of balance that God, out. That sounds really hard for her and the parents yeah. like for a small child to you know be managing their own health mm. in such a critical way mm. how, how has the little girl been responding to it all oh look I think it's really um it's difficult for her and and, and you know she just wants to be normal and she says things like that she's very good at articulating her feelings uh which is good and and she's encouraged to do that but she um they now have a insulin pump inserted, um, which is helpful because that does the calculations for you and, okay. and administers the insulin. So but that's inside her. That is, is it's it's body. a little cannula that's inserted into her buttock, and then she has to carry a little pump around her waist. But again, it's something she doesn't want because no. for her, it's different to her friends. Um, there's also other things. Uh, there's a continuous glucose monitoring system, which is another little kind of cannula um, that she had in previously as well. But that meant that she had to carry a mobile phone with her the whole time as well. Right. And for uh, to ask a six-year-old to do that at school and everything, and she just she doesn't want to do that. She's very conscious that she's standing out. So in the end, they've removed the glucose monitoring system for the time being because it was just a bit overwhelming for her. It's probably only been four or five months since diagnosis. So this poor little thing has got you know, so many things, so many new things to deal with. And her parents have got that too, you know, and they thought the glucose monitoring system would make their life easier, make her life easier because it meant she didn't have to have a finger prick so often. Yeah. But in fact, it actually was worse because it was alarming so much because her sugars are quite erratic still at the moment. She was distressed because she had to carry this thing with her all the time. They were trying to appease all of that and deal with that. And so it actually, you know, you think wow. things are going to make life easier when in fact they're still, it's very much trial and error, I guess, with these things. You're mm. working out what's what's going to work best. And how's your friend? Well, she's exhausted, to say the least. She's yep. absolutely exhausted. It's constant. They have to get up in the middle of the night and check her blood sugar at least once. If there's a problem before she went to bed, if it was too low or too high, then they'll have to get up again. They have to, If it's too low, they have to wake her and feed her in the middle of the night. Oh if it's too high, God. they have to give her more insulin in the middle of the night. Um, so not only just the day-to-day um, kind of dealing with it, but the emotional exhaustion. Um, she is um, 
angry with her parents. You know, yeah. she gets angry when they say to her, we've got to do your blood sugar. We need to do a finger prick. So as the mother, when your child's saying, I hate you, mummy, or you're mean, mummy, or, you know, go away, mummy, I don't like you, you know, that's very emotionally exhausting, even though she knows it's not true, but you're hearing that all the, and you're inflicting some sort of discomfort yes. and pain on your child all the time. You we make, feel guilty enough when they say it because they don't get what they want, that's <laughs> you know, right. let alone that's when you right. know it's hard for them as well. So, and, you know, I think I think for my friend... You know, the fact that a lot of people just don't understand it and they sort of are like, oh, it'll be okay. Or someone suggested she drink camel milk. I've <laughs> heard that that, that cures everything. <laughs> i gotta, I got to get me some camel yeah, milk. Yeah, you know, and it's just kind of people don't. And, you know, I understand people don't understand. And, and yeah. you know, until you're in it, you actually don't understand. Well, you did mention to me when we were chatting about this, you said, well, you could talk about the sleep and how you've helped them with um, this little girl and, and the sleep and stuff. I had no idea that you would have to check through the night. I, yeah. I mean, I knew that was part of the process, checking, but that constant vigilance yeah, would constant. be And exhausting. also the anxiety that your child is unwell, you know, like, is she going to be okay? You know, my friend said the other night she had a hypo, which means her blood sugar was very low, and she couldn't rouse her. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, the first thing is you think, oh, my God, she's in a diabetic coma. But, in fact, she was just very deeply asleep and she didn't want to wake up because she was exhausted. But, you know, the constant anxiety about is she going to be all right? Is she going to be all right? You know, as well, coupled with everything else. So, yeah, they are going through, you know, quite. plus they have three other children. Oh, my goodness. I was going to ask <laughs> yeah, you that. Who are all older. I mean, uh, my this little one is the youngest, but the others are older, but, you know, not that much older. And so they're all feeling a little bit kind of um, uh, left out or missing their mummy a little bit right now, you know. Yeah, of course. And Daddy's great and he's very helpful and around and, and doing as much as he can. But often, you know, they want their mummy. Isn't it? It's yeah. one of those things you hear about people experiencing that and you just the reality of the mm. situation. Mm. Yes, there are people who are experts who know what to do. Yes, mm. there are things you can do to manage it. But mm. the actual real life lived experience yeah. is yeah, and really hard. Totally, until I actually went over and helped them for, for those weeks. Um, and, you know, I've been a paediatric nurse for years and I had seen the impact of chronic illness on families, you know, um, long-term chronic illness and the mothers, particularly the exhaustion and the other children. But, you know, living that day in and day out, it is relentless. It is yeah. absolutely relentless. Yeah. And, um, you know, eventually it will all become their new normal, you know. I was going to ask, is there any um, trajectory where it will get easier for them? Well, hope. Well, I don't know that it will get easier. I mean, her blood sugar levels hopefully will settle down. There is a period when you're first diagnosed with diabetes type 1 where they call it the honeymoon period, where your pancreas is still kind of working occasionally. So it might um, produce some insulin here and there. And that can go on for anywhere, I think, from a month to sort of a year or so. Um, and so it causes their blood sugars to be quite erratic and hers are particularly erratic. The other thing about type 1 diabetes is that everyone has their own unique version of it. Right. You know, so it's it's very hard to manage in that way. There's not kind of some like carte blanche rule for everything. Okay, well, we'll set it on this and it'll be fine. Um, 
and her particular diabetes at the moment is very unstable. Mm. So while it's unstable, I think things are going to be still quite difficult. But yeah, eventually yeah. it should hopefully settle down and it will be just become their day-to-day thing and she'll grow up not knowing any different. Well, um, I have so much empathy for your friend and good on you for helping them, Joe. Oh, I mean, I know that's just what you do, <laughs> yeah. but um, thank you for talking to us. It's definitely given me an insight into what people will be going through with this kind of thing. So thanks. No, you're welcome. That's Joe Ryan from Baby Bliss. And I'm going to, I haven't done it yet, but I am going to go online and find some information about childhood diabetes if you want to go and have a look. If you feel like you need to listen back to this interview, it'll be online this afternoon. Just go to kindling.com.au. We'll have links to the relevant information there. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.